so many like triathletes, they don't like being bad, right? They're really good runners. They're really good bikers. And they just hate being bad at swimming. So they don't like swimming because it's, it's a struggle. Not all of them, but, but a lot of them, they don't, they don't like it because they don't, it's not that they don't like swimming. They don't like being bad at something. Instead of seeing as room for improvement or I have all this room to get faster, it's I don't like swimming. And I always tell them, like, if you hate it, it means you need to be doing it. Like, there's a reason you hate it, right? It's you're not it's not you're not worse off for doing it. You hate it because you're bad at it. And the only way to get good at it is by doing it. So if you hate it, you have to do it. And I think this is one of those situations where I really didn't want to do it, but I knew it was what the best like that was the best thing for me. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and for well over 200 episodes, we've been bringing you weekly conversations with people looking, finding, and living their purpose. It is my personal experience and that of those we have spoken with that in order to live in a way that is aligned with the reason you came to this earth, you will be required to face your fears, push your limits, and grow to become neutral in the face of discomfort. Our guest today is Craig Lewin, marathon swimmer, triathlon and swim coach who holds all the certifications in street cred to back it up. Most recently, Craig completed the triple crown of marathon swimming with a successful crossing of the English Channel in August. He believes that his journey has taught him much about looking inward and finding ways to get things done when everything says no, especially this year, navigating his channel crossing in the midst of a global pandemic. As a coach, Craig has created a reputation around getting people more comfortable in the ocean and teaching triathletes to swim with easy speed. So looking inward, overcoming resistance, pursuing epic adventures, easy speed, that's all we need to get this conversation going, man. (laughs) So Craig, thanks so much for reaching out to us and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm definitely excited for the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So you had listened to our conversation with Sabrina, uh, who is en route to the English Channel in less than a year, and so I'm sure she'll be listening very closely to this episode. Um, and um, yeah, so here we are. So I, I appreciate you finding us and reaching out to us, and you know, this podcast is all about connecting with people and, and sharing really you know, our journeys and how we get to the other side of those things that we need to overcome in order to live in a way that is you know, aligned with our purpose mm-hmm. aligned with what's on our heart. And, you know, I think that that sounds really glorious and <laughs> sweet and beautiful, but it definitely requires you to get on the other side of everything that has kept you from living in that way. So fears and resistance and all that good stuff. So you come from a swimming background, you swim, um, at Boston College. How do you go from the black line to the open water? Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a funny story, I guess. So it really started right before college. Uh, I swam in high school. I started a late start. I started at like 14 when all my friends started at seven. So I was already off. I was already behind. Uh, I just like to work hard. But my senior year, a friend uh, gave me like a, a graduation gift in high school. Uh, it was Lynn Cox's book, Swimming to Antarctica. And I read it and I was like, that's what I want to do. That's the coolest thing. I have to do that. So, um, my, after my freshman year in college at BC, uh, I decided, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to do some marathon swimming. I want to get into the open water. I want to do something different. And, 
Um, I signed up for, well, I guess I signed up and qualified for the 25 K swim at, um, national, it was national water championships at the time. Um, I didn't know what to expect because I had never swum that distance in the ocean. Or uh, been in a national championship <laughs> of open water swimming. That too. <laughs> I was, uh, the, the qualifying standard was very easy. I'm like, well, it's just shockingly easy. So I'm just going to enter and see what happens. And, uh, I learned a lot, <laughs> but basically it's all started with that book. And I just wanted to, um, I wanted to kind of branch out and, and see what I could, what I could do. Because when you get into the ocean, you have, you know, that fear of what's swimming underneath you. You have to deal with salt and cold and currents and all these different obstacles, which you don't necessarily experience. I mean, you definitely don't experience in the pool unless you're swimming at some weird ocean pool and a shark happens to get in. <laughs> um, so I wanted to challenge myself. And after reading the book, I'm like, that's that's what I got to do. So after the college season ended, I started getting to open water more. I would uh, travel home from school on weekends because I only lived like 40 minutes from BC. And I'd swim in the ocean starting, I think, in March and just start getting used to the water. And my freshman year in college, my roommates thought I was crazy because I used to sleep with ice packs because I was also training for the Boston Light Swim that year, which is a, I guess, colder swim when you're not used to it. And uh, I was just getting ready for it. And it it basically led me to this whole world of, of swimming that I never really thought about or, or experienced or even expected, really. So um, that's how I got into it, but it was more what can my body do and, and can I, and am I capable of achieving that was, was how I started and just went from there. What was it about that fir first open water, the national championship that you got yourself into? What did you said you learned a lot? What were one, of, what's one thing that you learned? <sighs> Don't listen to anyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'll say that because I met a guy and he was competing, uh, he was, he was older than me. I think at the time I was 18 or 19, he was probably mid twenties. And this is like my first super long swim. It was in warm water. It was in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. We swim around Estro Island. And he was telling me the story about like, Oh, like be careful on your first one because I ended up unconscious and I woke up three days later in the hospital. And like, so at that point, that's when I was like, I'm done listening to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's it's like have your experience and what I've um I've become very very frugal with the stories that I tell people about things that I'm experiencing like behind the scenes, you know, because what I found is that everybody wants to share their dread and perhaps it's a way for us to, you know, release that energy that we've been carrying, but I think that developing our our own confidence <clears throat> around just having our own experience and not being tainted by maybe the naysayers or, you know, it's like take what's helpful mm -hmm. and leave the rest. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I mean, this year more than ever, like that, I really could, I can, I can empathize with that just because this year I, whether it's jealousy or, or people looking out for me, but 2020, like the year of the pandemic, I had to spend months just ignoring, like not watching news, like shutting people out of my life because it was like, you don't think you're going. Like, why are you still training? Like, and, and you can't let that get 
into your thought ever because then you lose motivation. And if there's no motivation, you just stop training. And had I listened to them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have achieved anything. And for me, I guess I learned that several years ago, like, <laughs> I don't know, 17 years ago, 16 years ago. So I learned it then uh, with that one guy telling me a story, but this year more than ever, it was, it was, it's true. Like, let me have my experience. If this is what I want to do, it's not hurting you. It's, it's bettering me because I'm pushing myself to, um, a level that everyone doubts and, and, and to have an experience that whether, like I said, it's jealousy or people are scared for me, it's, it's still a calculated risk that I had to, to take because at the end of the day, if I didn't give it my all, I can't live with that. Like I can live with failing, but I can't live with, with quitting and especially quitting over like, Oh, you know, pools are closed or someone told me you're never going to make it or they're going to shut down the country. So just stop training. So, um, I can definitely, I've experienced that too. Like, let me have my experience. You can have your experience and let's, let's see how we can learn from it and grow together. Not you put me down because I wanted to, to, to try something big. Yeah, and I I think it does come I, I think it does come from a place of goodness, although I think we get that intention confused with the fear that's like literally living in ourselves, especially in a year like um like this year. Yeah, the the listening to people, you know, I just did an Ironman, um the first Ironman in the in the states on Sunday, oh, nice. uh, 70.3 in Arizona. Yep. Um and it, it's so true that if you're going to ask a question to someone you don't know, a stranger or, or people around you, you know, you really need to be aware of what, what the answer could, could be in, in reflection to how you relate to it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I see it all the time and, and you see it on the trails, like further to the top of this trail. Now you're putting a lot of weight on this person's answer that you have no idea um, <laughs> what their background is and how far they believe the top of the, the climb is. So, um, it's really, I, I, I love that because it's, it's, it's growing and strengthening that bond with yourself because come race day, we're, we're coaches, right? The coaches can't be there with the athletes every moment of that experience. So if, if you don't have that faith and trust and belief in yourself, or at least working on that, mm -hmm. that connection, then, then you're going to continually cycle through the fear and the doubt. And, and it doesn't even matter if people are, are giving you feedback. You really are alone with yourself in that experience. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, it's definitely true. <laughs> that's definitely true. I mean. So all we can do is give them the tools. You're right. As a coach, absolutely. You know, you give them the tools. And as a coach for me, it's important for me to, I guess, push myself so that I can know, okay, what does it feel like swimming for nine hours? So I may have never done an Ironman, but I know what it's like to move for 11 hours. I know when my body's screaming at me, I, I have tips and tricks that have worked for me that I can share with them. So, um, you know, as a coach, that's part of why I, you know, I've personally pushed myself. I think it's important to get to that level where, where, you know your athletes are going to do an Ironman and they might be out there for 15 hours or I have a swimmer who might be doing the English Channel and they're going to do 14 hours. And teaching them how to cope with that and believe in themselves and, and push through it, that's really what, what I enjoy doing because 
that's what makes them a much stronger person in the end. Like that's how you grow and evolve. And I got to experience it firsthand. And I'm sure in, in both of your triathlon journeys and, and athletic careers, you experience the same thing, whether it's half Ironman, Ironman, it's, it's all relative to what, what you're used to. So for someone who's used to sitting on the couch and they go to a sprint, 40 minutes or an hour of exercise is a ton, especially when you're like competing. So teaching them, okay, like how do you let the factors that you can control, how do you focus on that? And how do you let go of what someone else is doing? Because even in channel swimming, that's still a thing. Like I'm out there with maybe three other boats and one goes flying by me and the other one I'm passing and in everyone's head, you're like, you're, you're not competing. You're all just trying to finish, but it's hard to let that go. Like, it's like, Oh, am I swimming slow? Am I not going to make it? Am I going to miss a current? And, and that's hard. And I think when I was racing triathlon, it was, it was very much the same and you can't control what other people do. So you shouldn't even bother focusing on it. It's look internally, use the tools that you've learned along the way and, and use the tools that your coaches have taught you and, and grow from there and find your own like mantras or thing or, or things you tell yourself to get through it. And, and one that I use, my coach told me, he's like, uh, my coach is a Dan Simonelli. He's Catalina Dan or Dan Simonelli. He's, he's great. Like, <laughs> he's done, he, yeah, he's like all about Catalina, but, um, and, and he's done the English channel and, and, but the one thing he always said to me is like, no matter how bad you feel now, keep going. Cause you're not going to feel that way in 30 minutes. And that has gotten me through every single hard swim life thing. It doesn't matter that, that saying and that thought process has got me through so many different, uh, challenging times. Like just ride it out. It's, it's bad now, but it, it might not be bad in a half hour. So just keep going. Yeah. And I think that that plays into both the mental and the physical. So if you're in that, you know, just that doubt, like doubt's going to creep in, you know, mm -hmm. things are going to creep in, but if you just, I, I think one one of the tools that uh, I have found really effective is like, I think about like, what am I feeding? You know, what am I giving mm -hmm. fuel to? And if I'm giving fuel to that doubt, well, getting to the other side of that's going to be a heck of a lot longer. But if I'm, if I'm, you know, focusing my mind on something else, maybe it's just that, that stroke, maybe it's just that moment that my fingertips hit the water or the very end of a breath or the space in between that I am going to get to the other side of it. But I'm not going to stop between, you know, the start and finish of whatever it, that obstacle is that I'm, I'm trying to get to the other side of. So I think that that goes for the physical. Yeah. You just keep going. Yeah. It also goes for the mental dialogue. You know, if it's unhelpful, just keep going, keep going, keep going. It's just that very breath. That's all you have to do. And eventually, if you don't feed it, if you don't feed that negativity or the doubt or the fear, it will take a back seat. Because it mm -hmm. needs your fuel. It needs your attention. So um, how does the Triple Crown come in? Because this is this is a huge undertaking, the Triple <laughs> Crown of marathon swimming. You know, I mean, as, as a kid, like, you know, I, I knew about people who swam the English Channel. Now I know people very closely who have done it. Uh, how does this enter into your awareness? And when do you say, like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that? <laughs> it's similar to Sabrina's story. Actually, uh, we, we, me and her, we, we go back and forth on Instagram and trade tips. And I was giving her some feedback for her English channel attempt coming up. And, um, but it's similar. It kind of was an accident. 
Uh, it wasn't planned, I guess, until this, until this year, but basically, um, back in 2012, I was a support swimmer for the English Channel and, um, I came home from that experience and I'm like, I never want to do that swim ever. <laughs> so la- I'm, I'm like, I'm never doing it. It's out of my head. I don't want to do it. I just, it's not for me. It was just, it was the swim, the guy I went with, he, he completed and I saw all the joy and like all that accomplishment. And that wasn't enough to make me want to go through that again. <laughs> uh, it was the coldest water. It was the angriest water. I was, I'd never been seasick before. Like I, now I can't look at a boat without getting seasick. So at that point, I'm like, I, I, I'll stick with triathlon. I, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and then basically I, I got, um, I got hit by a car riding my bike twice and it took me out of commission from, from racing, um, for, for triathlon, came back. I just, I was making stupid decisions because of fear. Like I'd be slamming on my brakes because I'd be focusing on a car 200, but, but 200 yards away. And at, at a certain point, you know, I, I got back on the bike. I started racing again. I just didn't, I didn't have that love for it anymore competing. Um, and then years went by. I didn't really do any and no count, no competing, no, no big swims, but I was coaching. I was coaching for like uh, the whole time. It's been over 10 years now, um, specifically triathletes. And I was helping all these people learn to swim and achieve these, these, goals. Some of them, it was achieve an Ironman. Some of them, it was swim, swim the English channel or, or some big uh, marathon swim. And some was just learn to swim. And I'm watching everyone like have that a moment of achievement and joy about reaching a goal. And I felt lost and I was out of shape and I just, I had like nothing to look forward to. So I said, okay, I'm, I want to do something big that you can do everything right and still fail. But, um, but not the English Channel, <laughs> so <laughs> which is just like drawing it to you, you know. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so I reached out to. I, I had a friend who just did the English Channel, and I'm like, "Hey, wh- what do you think?" And he's like, "What about Catalina?" I'm like, started doing research. I connected with Dan, and I was like, "This is a good goal. It's it's in the country. It's 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 a 20 mile swim. It's colder water. It's going to require a ton of training. And if you do it, you start getting." I guess not recognized, like it's not like a fame thing. It's you start taking more, people take you more seriously. It's like, okay, this is not like a, a random 10 K, you know, it's not, which I'm not taking anything away from. It's just in like marathon swimming community. It's, it's all about going long. Right. So, um, so I picked this goal more because I was inspired by my athletes and I, I trained for eight months, got back in shape, did everything, Went to the, the Catalina and it was a great time. And I finished. I'm like, I'm done. I don't need to swim ever again. And then like two months later, someone was like, why don't you apply for the 20 bridges swim? And I'm like, okay. And I saw the class of people applying with me, like all the different, you know, I knew all the names. It's, it's, it's a pretty small community. And I'm looking, I'm like, that's a, that person has a huge race resume. That person has a huge race. Resume. I'm never getting in. So I'm going to apply. Like I'm safe and I'll let, I'll let fate decide for me. And I got the email that I got in on the date that I like my first choice day. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to do New York now. <laughs> uh, and then after New York, I was like, oh, I guess I have no choice, but I have to do the English channel because you, you, you can't, if you, you've done two, you have to do three, right? So. That's 
that's how it came to be, I guess. I was very excited about Catalina. I was not excited about New York. And then I started getting more excited about the English Channel up until March. And then it was a much, a much bigger challenge, but it took on way more meaning because it wasn't just about me finishing Triple Crown. It was me helping to show my athletes, like, practice what you preach. Like, I'm always saying, find a way, find a way. Do it safely, be do it smart, but find a way. And that's basically in that moment, it was, this was a teachable moment. You know, I could then, you know, put my money where my mouth is and show them, like, I found a way to do it. So if it's safe to do so, if you're comfortable doing it, if you have a goal that you're committed to, you will find a way to get it done. And so it took on that greater meaning, but, but that's essentially how it all came to be. Do you remember a moment where, so after you finished Manhattan and of course, like it makes sense now for you to do the English channel, but I've had these experiences in my life where you, you, you have a goal and you get to the other side of it and then you have this like, oh shit. <laughs> like, cause you know what's coming yeah. next. <laughs> do you remember a moment like that leading, like you leading into this decision to do English channel? Yeah, it was probably like New York. I did July like 13th and it was probably a week later. I, I had to go on a business trip like two days after New York. And once I got home and settled in, I was like, no, I have to like, I was like so excited for off time. I was like, crap, I have to do it. And I was like reaching out to boat captains, doing whatever I could to get a spot as soon as possible. And, um, I ended up lucking out. Uh, I didn't have to wait like the two or three years, like just things fell into place and, and I got a good spot on, on the boat I wanted. And, but yeah, it was, I was just like sitting there. I'm like, I said to my wife, I'm like, this sucks. Like now I have to go and do this, this one swim that I never want to do. Like this is, I have to do it. And, and it, it is hard because you know you have to do it and you can't put it off. It's like, okay, some people say, okay, I'll do it in a few years. But once you get out of training mode and once it's out of your head, it's very unlikely that you're probably, you know, it's very unlikely it's going to happen. And to come like one swim within one swim of having your name, like your, your legacy, like, you know, put in the, in, in the books, like, you can't, it's a regret. You can't, you, you, you don't want to go to your grave with, I guess, or at least I didn't want to. So, uh, it, it was in that moment. I was like, okay, this isn't bad. Like I get to do this. It's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to do it, to afford to do it. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I think but, that anybody who's done, you know, quote unquote, great things in this life, whether we're, you know, we're looking at really well-known names uh, in or out of, you know, sport, uh, whether mm -hmm. they're on this earth or not. I think we've all had those moments where we're like, oh, but that's, yeah. how great okay. things, that's how great <laughs> things are achieved though. Like that's how this, sometimes they look at these people that do great things and they're like, oh, well, they were made for it. And, you know, they, they have, you know, they were born with the genes and all of this. The more older I get, the more I realize that is like absolutely nothing to do with it. It's the sheer will of facing everything in your bones that says, ah, oh, this doesn't feel good. I'm never going to do this yet. Moving forward and doing it. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I always say, like, especially with swimming, like I, I work with so many triathletes and, and this is not meant to be like a put down, but so many like triathletes, they don't like being bad. 
right? They're really good runners. They're really good bikers. And they just hate being bad at swimming. So they don't like swimming because it's, it's a struggle. Not all of them, but, but a lot of them, they don't, they don't like it because they don't, it's not that they don't like swimming. They don't like being bad at something. Instead of seeing as room for improvement or I have all this room to get faster, it's I don't like swimming. And I always tell them like, if you hate it, it means you need to be doing it. Like there's a reason you hate it, right? It's, you're not, it's not me. You're not worse off for doing it. You hate it because you're bad at it. And the only way to get good at it is by doing it. So if you hate it, you have to do it. And I think this is one of those situations where I really didn't want to do it, but I knew it was what the best, like that was the best thing for me. And, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, the brick wall is where your work is. The resistance right. is the fear is where your work is. Like that's where our work is. And I think when we can be awake to that, um, you know, you know, there's a, we also, are able to embody or swallow the truth that there's really no destination that, you know, once you get on the other side of the English channel, it's like, you know, something else is coming down the pike, right? Like yeah. something, who knows, <laughs> you know, this Antarctica thing is very interesting to me. It is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's go to Catalina cause Catalina has that, um, uh, and you know more about marathon swimming than, than I, but it has a unique challenge that you I think always begin in the dark and yeah. most of the swim is, um, through, through the night. And so how do you, had you had experienced night swimming or how did you prepare yourself for that? So I did it. <laughs> um, so I, I had done some night swimming when I did, when I was a support swimmer for the English channel and swimming at night doesn't scare me. Like that's not something that, I was, I was worried about, like, I don't have the anxiety, um, about like the darkness or any of that. I think I, and I knew it started at 11. I just, I never thought, but one factor through, and that was, I go to bed at like nine every night. So to have to swim through the night, you get, you get, you're tired. Like you're not physically exhausted because you're working. You're just tired because you're used to sleeping. So that plus the, the time change, what ended up happening was I was freezing, but I wasn't actually cold. I was cold because I was tired. I wasn't cold for any other reason. And, and that like getting into the swim being one hour in being like, I don't know if I'm going to finish because I'm shivering and frozen when the water's not even that cold. That was a hard pill to swallow. And, and now with all my swimmers who are thinking about doing English Channel or Catalina or some type of like long swim where they might have to go through the night, we do night swims. And it's not because of the anxiety, but it's more, how do you cope? Like, what does your body do when you're tired? Like, how does your mind work when you're tired? Because it's, it's hard to, it's hard fighting fear and anxiety and, and cold when you're like at a hundred percent. So when you're exhausted, because you're normally sleeping, you have no idea how to, how to fight through that and what it's going to be like. So I stupidly didn't prepare for it that time, but, uh, I certainly did for the English channel. Um, but, but yeah, that is a unique challenge swimming at night. Some people have that anxiety of like, I can't see some are like nervous. They're going to get lost, which is very unlikely given how Ca uh, Catalina does like give the kayaker and one side, the, the big boat and the other and all the lights and everything. Um, so some people have that fear, but I just, I stupidly was naive and very early on in marathon swimming that, I, or channel swimming that I just, I didn't even think to do it. Uh, mainly because I was like, oh, I'm not scared of night swimming because I had done it before. 
And it wasn't a fear thing. It was more your body is different at night. And that's what it came down to. Yeah, you got to interrupt that those sleep patterns. I, yeah. I discovered that when um, I faced my biggest fear, uh, pacing someone at their 100-mile race in Tahoe. And I remember just just like realizing that like I've got to interrupt my sleep pattern. I've got to go out at nine o'clock at night and go for a run. I got to get out onto the trails when it's dark out. But, and that was a fear of mine getting on the trails mm. at dark. And so I would ask people, right? I was crowdsourcing. Uh, yep. <laughs> thankfully it was actually helpful because the few people that I asked about night running, they said, oh no, it's so much better because when you just, you have the light, you're just, you're really focused Mm. And you're not really thinking about much else. Do you, is there a similar thing with night swimming? After experiencing it a bunch, yes. I, I actually do enjoy it. I think a lot of people who have done it several, like have experienced doing it really, they do enjoy it. Um, I guess one really unique experience for me was, uh, with Catalina specifically was, um, the bioluminescence. So when I was swimming, even though I was cold, like there, and there were jellyfish all over the place, like as I'm swimming, I'm like watching like my hands light up in the water with the bubbles. And I'm like, this is really cool. Like, this is a really cool thing. So, um, and in that moment, it's much more like, I guess you're going, you know, it's a flow state or a Zen state where you're like, okay, I'm one with, one with the water and I'm immersed in it. I'm part of this bigger whole and you can really just enjoy being immersed in it. And, and that's one of the things that I love about open water swimming compared to pool swimming. It's you, you're just like this little tiny thing in this massive, this massive ocean, this massive space, you know, and, and, and you can get lost in it. And it's, it's very meditative where once you get into a zone, I mean, I tell people like, I don't even remember like our three through our nine of the English channel. Because I was in this like weird meditative flow state where I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just in it. And, and it's like a really cool feeling. And, and I think night swimming brings that out even more because you're not, you're not focused on, oh, where's land? Where's this? Where's that? You're just, you're just in it and swimming. Yeah. And it's nice. Uh, yeah. I think the darkness helps us stay focused. BJ, is there anything that you would like to ask Craig about night swimming oh, my the goodness. Catalina channel? Yeah. So <laughs> I was just fortunately asked to be a support swimmer on this person's swim of, across Catalina. So I will be okay. one of her three swimmers. So uh, by the way, you just announced that. I guess. Yeah. So I guess I, I, I guess accepted. that's a yes. That's a, um, that's a yes, Mary. Mary it's a yes. <laughs> well, for the very reason it scares me. So I have to do it. Like yeah. I have to do it. I mean, I'm a triathlete and it took me years, years to get into the open water. Mm -hmm. Um, I would race, I would race in open water and that was it. You know, I felt like the pool was enough. Like I can get simulate it until you know, I wanted to up level. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you got to get out there. You have to get into that environment. And now, you know, through this pandemic, we had a lagoon here in Carlsbad that was, uh, that was open and, okay. and somebody put buoys out there and, and I was there, you know, three or four times a week. And even when the pools back went back open, I was like, oh, I'll get back to the pools if I need to. It was so great to swim open water. Yeah. So now I need to work. Not only am I going to be swimming in this ocean, Mm -hmm. Um, when I do get to wear a wetsuit. That's cool. Yes, you, you lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be dark. I'm going to be swimming in the yeah. dark. So, so obviously we talked about getting the experience of swimming, um, 
in that environment, but how do you reframe, how do you reframe it for someone who has no experience in it? Maybe for your swimmers, like mm-hmm. how, what is that? What is it that you bridge with them and meet them where they're at, where they're not enthralled with, um, you know, how, how their stroke is looking versus like just being present and in the moment and allowing mm-hmm. the environment to, to, to dictate Mm-hmm. like your vibe, like how do you, how do you work with that with your athletes? Yeah. I, so we actually just started doing some recently, I started doing some like sunset into night swimming. And I think that's a nice segue where if you're not super comfortable um, and it's, I don't know if me and my wife were both dive masters. So we scuba dive a lot. We love night diving, but what they do is, and this is where I had the idea from is you start at sunset. So you're getting in the water at sunset and then you're ascending and it's pitch black out. So I was like, let's, let's give this a try. Like these are, these are not marathon swimmers. These are all triathletes, like all different levels. So not, not super experienced, but, but competent swimmers. And, um, I'm like, let's do a sunset swim. So we got in about a half hour before sunset and we swam into darkness and basically around like when we could see the sun actually going down and all the pretty, you know, the, the, the pretty background, I had them stop and we just kind of enjoyed watching the sun, the sun go down and the different colors. And then we went back to swimming. And I think when you do it that way, it's, um, it's a nice, easy segue because you realize, okay, like it was day now it's night, but nothing actually changed. It just got dark, but you know what you're swimming in. And, and I think also swimming with people is like in that group environment is, is really helpful. But when we did this swim, I was like, look, this is not about racing. This is not about competition. This is about an experience. This is something that you don't normally do you're not comfortable doing. So let's just enjoy it together. So we're all, we're going to go at the pace of the slowest swimmer. I don't want anyone breathing heavy. I don't want anyone pushing. I just want to enjoy it. Like feel what it's like going through the waves when you can't see like, and just, you know, paying attention to like the different sounds and, um, and what's going on around you because it's, it's just like night dive, like scuba diving at night is different than scuba diving at the day. Like you have different creatures coming out and, you know, it's a totally different vibe. It's, it's really cool. So, um, that's, that's how I started to do it with the more serious swimmers. It's it's a little bit more, I guess I'm like, don't wear a watch. I don't care about that. Like, don't, I don't want your Garmin file. I don't, I don't care what distance you do. Just get out there and enjoy it. You know, whether it's 15 minutes or an hour or three hours, just enjoy it. Have fun. Like, it's about the experience and getting comfortable. And once you're comfortable, and then I want to see the files and the watch, but but that's like, you know, five, six sessions in, not not the first couple. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's, it's, it's a slow transition. It's a slow, yeah. slow way to, to just um, allow them to, to feel the other senses because there's, mm-hmm. we're so set on the visual cues, right? Like the, yeah. the, the sighting that's being able to see our hand in the water and, and all of that. And what, what you're saying is like, when you come back or come up and it's dark out, like there's really only the cue of, you may be able to see a little bit, but it's the hearing, like, what do you hear mm-hmm. and be comfortable with, with those sounds, the dinging right. of the, the bell or um, mm-hmm. um, the waves crashing or some boat going by. And that's just familiarity. And, and, and yeah. doesn't that happen with everything? Like yeah. swimming or when you first day you go to college or like the first time <laughs> yeah. you get in a car, like all these things are new and we get, we do have some sense of fear. It's just that we place so much emphasis on the open water mm-hmm. and the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, 
I think one thing that unfortunately gets lost in most sports now is just like that data-driven aspect of I need to be the best and this is the I need the watch I need to see everything I'm doing and people miss so much by doing that I'm there's a place for it and there's a time for it but there's also a time not to have it like there's a time to enjoy what you're doing and and I've I've really come to enjoy open water swimming and marathon swimming because for me I chose it because it doesn't matter how fast or slow I go it's just about getting to the other side and I like that because then it's like if I want to stop and enjoy like the middle of Catalina or I want to enjoy the dolphin swimming next to me, like I can because I don't care. Not, you know, some people want to break a record, but there's no fun in that for me. It's I want to I'm here. I'm doing it once or twice or whatever. And I just want to enjoy it. And even if I did it twice, they're not the same experience because the conditions change. And another thing, you know, if you're, uh, I guess, an e a nicer segue, I guess, into like night swimming is go really early in the morning so that you start, and, you know, that's a good starting point too, so that as you're swimming and getting comfortable, like the sun's coming up. So you know in your head, okay, the sun's going to be up in 15 minutes. Just ride, ride it out. Keep going because the sun's going to be up and it'll be super comfortable soon. And maybe you start there and then, you know, okay, swim at night. It's not so bad. And then you transition to the sunset swim and then... Then you do your night swims. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great advice. I, I did that with running. I would start really early in the morning before the sun came up on the trail. Mm -hmm. and, and But you know that the light is coming. Right. You know that the light is coming. So you're like, okay, just like, just be in the darkness and, and be, just be here. Like it's, it's yeah. not forever. Um, and I think when you did that, well, like when you were doing your, your night running, I, I'm, I'm interested because I had a, when I do the night, like for Catalina specifically, it was, Swim through the night, you're tired, you're cold, but you know, okay, I just got to get through the next like seven hours because then the sun comes up and I have like this, like this battery charge it, like recharging, you know, the sun hitting you on the back. It's like charges your battery. It's like a whole new energy. Is it a similar experience with running? Yeah. You know, uh, that, you know, we were up over 9,000 feet, um, in Tahoe and mm -hmm. watching, uh, you know, at first light and, and seeing the, you know, the sun it's, mm. yeah. I mean, it's like, yes, physically you're fully recharged, but I think what even supersedes that is this like gratitude of seeing something like that. That's so powerful. That's, you know, we take for granted so many times, you know, like we, mm. many people are waking up and it's already light out. Like they're not right. awake during the darkness of the morning and those sacred quiet hours. And, you know, hearing the birds sing for, you know, mm -hmm. the first bird, that's one of my favorite things is listening for the first bird who's, who starts the, who starts the choir. And yeah, and I had actually heard that prior to, um, listening to some, you know, ultra runners talking about how, you know, you go through the night and then when mm -hmm. the sun comes up, it's like, you just are so energized by that. And yeah. something that I use, and also when I'm in the water, when I'm in the open water, I use this too. It's just like, I am the ocean. Like mm -hmm. I am that sunrise. I am that dolphin. Like I am this. And so I can fight it and I can feel separate or I can use the word, which I think is so beautiful. It's like, you can immerse yourself into it and become mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I, it's like that experience is cool, but like the, the, it's a big thing, at least for me, when I'm talking to swimmers, I'm like, just like be with the ocean. Like, don't fight it. You're never going to win. Like mother, like 
environment, mother nature, she's going to win every time. So why fight it? Like find ways to work with it. And, and that's where I think like that flow state of mind is you're not, it's not like flow. I mean, it's, it's flow in a few different senses, like mentally, but more it's like, all right, I'm feeling the waves and the pressure and I'm, my stroke is kind of diving down as the, as the waves are going down and I'm in, you know, different phases of my stroke as I'm going up the wave and, you know, if you're so focused on other things, you miss that. And that's a very, like, it's a nice feeling. You know, you do feel like, you know, I, I, you feel like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the ocean in this moment. And it's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, and I want more people to experience it. <laughs> it's, I can just hear it in, in your voice. I really, two things, like your mindset is, is really, it's far superior to many. Um, you have a joy about you that is, that feels like it's the foundation of every word you speak no matter of the challenges that you faced. And also I can just tell you're an amazing coach. Like you're an amazing coach. Some people would think that. (laughs) Yeah. I think that I know that I can feel it. I mean, and just, just like you said, like, you know, when as coaches, we can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and share the techniques and blah, blah, blah. But when we get, we get right up against, you know, our biggest wave, I think what really defines us as, you know, as high performance coaches really is, are, are we going to, are we willing to learn how to surf that wave? Right. You know? Yeah. It's, oh, I appreciate that. No one's ever said that to me because they, they know me too well, I guess. Well, I, Uh, I, you know, I think it takes time though. Like as a coach, you have to challenge yourself because you have to, you don't learn personally because I was a very different coach when I started than I am now. And I think everyone is, Mm -hmm. you learn and, I was that coach, like, it's, this is the way, and this is the technique. And, but the more I did it, I'm like, it doesn't work for like 90% of the people. And then the more I transition, okay, let's like, there are fundamentals that we have to get, but once you have those fundamentals and you're not going to get hurt, your body is different than my body, which is different than the next person's body. So let's figure out what works for you. And that flow state of mind and, you know, going with like the ocean, not fighting it. I think that's the best, like the best way to teach it. It's like, okay, what's, what's my environment doing and how do I become one with it? And, and, but it, it certainly has come with experience and yeah, I mean, experience but is, coaching. And but. isn't that life, right? Like we can yeah. fight it or we can learn how to, you know, like palm trees. They just, yeah. they're just <laughs> palm trees or mm-hmm. they will bend over, but they won't break. You know, they just, yeah. they just really, they stay in flow with with what's coming at them. Absolutely. Um, so moving into the Manhattan swim, what are the unique challenges of that swim for you? <laughs> Other than not wanting to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, for someone who loves swimming, I really just don't want to do anything, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I think it was, it was, it was unique in a lot of different, um, aspects. And I think Sabrina spoke about him, you know, for people who listen to that podcast, like she spoke about, about those challenges very nicely. Um, if I think her experience might be different cause she did it this year versus other years where you're in like that group. And the big part, I guess the big challenge for me was I went into it saying, don't get caught up. Like don't get caught up in whatever anyone else is doing because like she said, in prior years, it's a group of, there's four different dates and it's a group of 16 people. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, yeah. So 
you know, they do these things called quiet swims, which are like one or two people on a random day, but there's four big dates, like one in August, June, or June, July, August, and September, or maybe there's two in July, whatever it is, but there's four big dates and they get 16, like around 16 people, uh, to do it. And, um, the organization, New York Open Water, does a phenomenal job. Like, it was, I ne never at any point did I feel like I was in danger or any of that. Like, it was probably one of the safest swims I'd been a part of. But they, because of currents, like, hitting the current at the right time is really important. Because if you miss it, you don't get that current assist. Um, you, you're in your head the whole time. So, I think she experienced that, like, I got to hit the car, got to hit the car, got So I was experiencing that, but then they also stagger your start. So they put you with people of your ability. So I was in the second to last wave and there was a few waves before me. And there was one wave that was like five minutes after me. That was like two incredibly fast people that I think passes in the first 10 minutes. But, um, but in your head, like you're just, you're looking, you're like, where's the other boats? Like, am I the last, am I in last place? And this is not a race. You don't get. Like if you, if you come in first, you can say you came in first, but they don't, there's no first place award. There's no, you, you, the goal is to finish. So I'm like, there was so many challenges for me because I was a cold water swimmer and I think it was 77 degrees that day. So that was the first one. Um, I was in my head about the currents. I'm like, I'm going to miss the current, got to miss the current. So I'm like sprinting the first two hours, which is obviously problematic for many reasons. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and I'm, I'm racing. I'm racing, I'm racing people who are not racing me, you know? <laughs> and you're not in a race. And I'm not and in a you're race. you're not winning or losing. <laughs> Just there racing. Right. I'm like, like an idiot racing. Like, you know, it's like, it's like when you jump on the treadmill and the person next to you, is, they've, they're not watching you and you're like, oh, they're, they're going this. I got to, you know, turn up my thing and, you know, bury them. It's like, that's what I'm doing. Or it's like I, I go to the pool and there's like a nine-year-old lady swimming laps next to me and I'm racing her. <laughs> We're not in the same race. <laughs> So uh, I think there were some unique challenges there, but they were my own doing. Like in my head, I said, don't get caught up in this. And then as soon as like the horn went off for my wave to go, my mind went blank. It was, I went right back to it. I'm like, I'm racing. I'm doing all this. Like, and, and I didn't care. I had, I didn't want, I didn't, wasn't trying to come in first. I just didn't want to come in last. <laughs> so the whole time, like, that's what I was thinking. And I just, I blew up in the first three hours. Um, I did not handle the heat well, which is shocking because I don't handle the cold well either. I was just like in this really bad place where I was, I was like super dehydrated and I was doing my feeds and I actually had to change my whole feed plan because I just gone so hard in the first two hours. And eventually I kind of settled in. Unfortunately, it was like the last hour of the race, but, uh, it, it was cool. I mean, there, there were parts that were cool. There were parts that weren't cool. Um, I will never like the Staten Island Ferry because it made me sit for like eight minutes treading water because I had to wait for it. So because I made all this progress and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, I'm doing great. I'm almost at the end. And I'm like, they're like, no, no, you got to hold up. This stupid orange ferry's going to go. I'm like, I'm more important right now. <laughs> so then my whole time, like every time I see the time, I'm like, and again, no one cares about the time because it's all about finishing. But to me, that race, like I hate that orange ferry because it tapped on like eight extra minutes to my swim. <laughs> I love, I love the contrast of these two experiences. You're like the bioluminescence and <laughs> Catalina, and then Dolphins. you're like, you're, <laughs> and, and it's then like a ferry. yeah, Manhattan's <laughs> just like a battle. And the um, heat. 
So, yeah. so coming into the the final of the three races, the English Channel. Here you are doing it in the midst of a global pandemic. So I'm assuming you're quarantining. And yep. so I mean, besides the English Channel having its own unique challenges, now you've got all these other challenges on top of it. And then people saying like, you know. Whether you're crazy to go, you're a jerk to go, like you're stupid to go, whatever it may be, right? Because mm-hmm. fear is at an all-time high. Yep. And um, yeah, so how did you how did you become one with that experience? <sighs> I I burned some bridges. <laughs> That's okay. But honestly, at the end of the day, I look back on it, I didn't I don't care. Like they were those people who weren't supporting me were not people I wanted in my life to begin with. And, and it was hard. Cause like I had family who was not, I mean, I had family who was very supportive. And I think when some of them were very nervous, like for me to go and, and that was, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm like, there are people who are just, you know, not, not, it was not coming from a, a place of love. It was like, well, I, I don't want him to succeed because then that makes me feel terrible because he's doing something during this when I'm not. And, and I just had to, you know, it was, it was a tough four, few, four, you know, tough four months where, uh, if anyone posted about COVID on Facebook or Instagram, I instantly, I didn't block them. I just hit them. So I didn't want to see their posts. Um, I didn't watch the news, which stupid or not, I, I don't care. I just, I didn't want to hear about it. I'm like, I don't live in a COVID world. I'm, I'm in my house and I'm in the, the ocean and that's it. So, yeah, I, um, I love that. I, I mean, we haven't know, watched the news and I don't know how long I hear there's a, I don't, I, don't, I hear I don't there's an election, election coming up. Yeah. I definitely don't watch it now. <laughs> I might get in big trouble for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I, I don't watch it. So, you know, my wife took uh, some, she, she, she took some bullets for me where like I leave a family zoom because the second it would pop up, like the topic of COVID would pop up, I just walk out. And then she'd be like, can you guys not talk about it? Because then I have to deal with him being upset. I have to deal with you being upset that he left. Like, can we just like not talk about it? So there was a lot of that. So it was a little tense, but I couldn't let that doubt get in. Yeah, but I think that's so courageous. Our environment is really, our environment is stronger than our will. And, you know, you've got three options always. You can engage with it. You Mm -hmm. can just sit there and endure it, or you can walk away. And walking away yeah. is all three are fine. Is yeah, you know, I find walking away to be the one I choose the most. It, it put me in a place that I enjoyed because I had my supporters, like my true supporters, and then it was me. And I, I am a very, I wouldn't do marathon something if I didn't like being alone. <laughs> like I like that, like you know, that personal. In it is not a a solo sport. Like if you succeed, it's because you train, but you have a crew, and your crew you helped your crew get you across and your crew helped you get you across. Like I, my dad ended up, you know, coming with me, you know, and these were not like easy conversations. Like once, so on July 4th, the UK announced, Hey, we're opening up to travel, but not the U S you can come, but you have to quarantine for two weeks. So my, and my date was July like 26 or 27. So I'm like, and I was like, I have to plan, a, you know, one, talk it over the family and then plan a potential month long trip in like four days. Because by the time I wrote to the captains and the Channel Swimming Association about what my options were and to make sure I was cleared to land in France, since that's an EU country, I was like, we made a decision like, if you don't go, none of us can live with you. 
<laughs> because it would just be like the worst thing ever. And, um, but you know, there were fears. Like I didn't want to get it. I don't want to be in a foreign country getting COVID and like dying in, in an Airbnb by myself. Um, I didn't, I was going to have to hire a crew out there. Like I didn't know, I don't know how people are going to treat Americans overseas. Like we, given how we've handled the whole situation. So at the end of the day, after like a lot of, less than pleasant conversations with family. It was, this is the right thing to do. And I mean, I, this was not fun for me. Like, I mean, once I was there and it was, but the whole experience, like getting up there was not fun. It like literally sucked. Everything you look forward to in a big swim like this, it was gone. Like I was so excited. I had my, I had my support swimmers from Catalina. They were supposed to come. Like I, my mom, my, my wife were going to be on the boat. My dad was going to be crew all gone. So, you know, I was, if I finished, we were all going to go into London and have this like really nice meal and celebrate gone. So it was literally became just one mission, get there, swim, get home, no fun, no frills, like, which really is like kind of a bummer, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I, I'm really glad I did it, but, um, it was, uh, it, it was not easy decisions. And I think when people look, they're like, I can't believe you did that. Like that's irresponsible. I'm like, you don't get it. You know, it's, I, I was on the plane with like four masks on the face shield, like a hazmat suit, <laughs> I, changing my mask every four hours, like you're supposed to, and not eating food. Like I, I, I camped out in a, in Canterbury in my uh, Airbnb and, I couldn't swim for two weeks. I'm like, well, that's a, to not swim the two weeks leading into your swim is scary. <laughs> this is so epic. I'm so glad you went. I, yeah, oh, I was supporting so, you even though we didn't know each other. It's okay. <laughs> um, but you know, so like, I'm like, well, what can I control? I'm scared of the cold. So what do I do? I, I literally had nothing else to do. I did three hour cold baths in the Airbnb for the two weeks leading up to it because I'm like, well, it's, I can't swim. So I did my, you know, cardio and everything in the backyard. And then I would do my cold baths like the rest of the day. And that way in my head, I'm like, okay, the fitness two weeks, isn't going to break you. You might not feel a hundred percent, but it's not going to break you. You already did the training being out of the cold for two weeks is a different issue. And the fact that I could still control that one big fear I had, that was the most important thing to me. So that's what I did. I was like, I did my cardio and then I just sat in the cold bath and froze for hours. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it's there, there's that mindset again. It's like, what can I do? Yeah. It's also finding a way, right? So, right. so not, not being a victim to the circumstances that present themselves. Like ideally it wasn't played out how it was supposed to, but then again, is anything ever like perfectly right. mapped out? So it, you have to be flexible. You have to be willing yeah. to to let go of some things only to to like you were saying in the beginning, like allow and like surrender to the waves, surrender to the conditions in the in the in the water. And it's not I'm using surrender as relenting to the yeah. experiences. Yeah, right. So that you can be that powerful um, that powerful person and swimmer. And and I don't think most people would would have gone forward I, I actually most it to have in my mind just now just thinking two weeks of non-training specific training mm -hmm. is like whoa like what are you thinking like right. how are you ever <laughs> going to do this for a swim that takes how long what, what was the time of the swim uh, it was uh, 11 hours and 24 minutes yeah. for me <laughs> so that's a long 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 time so the last swim you had was you know 14 days previous so right. 
how did you, and I know you're, you're in that realm of, of finding a way, but did you have to rationalize with yourself that, that this is, this is the circumstances I've been giving. I'm fit and strong. I will be, I will be ready. Yeah. I, I knew I was ready because I had three solid, like I had the two big swims under my belt already. I had done six hour, seven hour, eight hour swims, back to back days. I, I'd done all the work and I'm like, I said, I keep telling myself like two weeks is not, I'm, I said to myself, two weeks isn't going to break you. And this is a good thing. Like your shoulders are a mess. Your back is a mess. Your neck is a mess. This is good because you are forced to let things recover and you might actually go in way better than if you had swum right up to the day before and then and then did the swim. Like you might have had shoulder problems the whole swim and it would have been a really crappy experience. So I went in and like it wasn't a smooth it didn't go smoothly, but I went in with far less issues than any of my other two swims. And I was much happier for it. So it was that mental shift of this isn't a bad thing. This is actually a good thing in the end. Like you did the work. There's no cramming for a swim like this. So the work is done. Like what is it? The hay, the hay is in the mm -hmm. barn. Like, you know, you, you, there's nothing you could have done in those two weeks that would have changed the outcome. So at this point, just, I guess, enjoy the rest and focus on being cold all the time. And, and that's what I had to do. And that's, it's truly where the fitness happens. The fitness really doesn't happen when you're thrashing your body in the ocean. It happens when you rest and you're able to right. adapt to that stress that you put on the body. So it's almost the gift. And I know as athletes, we're like, no, don't tell me to rest. I don't want to <laughs> rest, please. Um, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's super important. That's super important in this scenario where you just, you probably gained a little bit more fitness, although the mind was probably like, you know, in that, in that realm. But um, what an amazing way to come out of, out of this pandemic to, to keep the momentum moving forward to finding a way to not letting these circumstances dictate what happens to come full circle and then achieve what you want to achieve and then be able to return um, knowing that you gave everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was actually surprising in the end because I, I tried to keep it pretty like quiet in terms of like, I, I didn't really tell anyone about it until I was already there. I didn't really post about it. I was doing all the long swims, posting with the long swims because it's some people find it inspirational or, or, or whatever. But it was more about just getting, for me, it was like, there's so much uncertainty. I don't need the added pressure of social media to ruin this experience. Like, because if you fail, marathon swimmers know there's a million reasons out of your control that you might not finish, like weather or, you know, someone on your crew gets seasick and they have to go in or there's all sorts of reasons and has nothing to do with you as a swimmer. Um, and sometimes it's just not your day. And to pile on that stress on top of all the other, like the channel brings its own stress, like not in a COVID year where you could get there and the weather is terrible the whole week and you don't even get in. So like you have this whole weather stressor and, um, for me, like I got home or I finished a swim and, like the couple weeks after, like all these people reaching out to me, I'm like, this is crazy because I didn't even talk about it. Like other people started posting about it and, and eventually I did share it like when I finished, but people like, Oh, you like gave me like, um, like the, the, the motivation to keep going, not to quit on my goal, you know, my goals. Like, and they would tell me what their goals are. And, 
And like I'm looking like last week or a couple weeks ago, I'm seeing people that I know, like like Catherine Bree just did like the Uberman triathlon. Like it was like some some world record oh, yeah. relay. Oh, yeah, yeah, with, with uh, that, yeah. James, James Darren Darren Carl, yeah. Like. Casey. Yep. Yes. So she's like a phenomenal marathon swimmer. She did the Monterey swim, broke the record there at Monterey Bay. And then there's like Carly Miller who just did the California triple crown. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't listen to people because all, if I saw all of them finishing their swims, imagine how horrible. I would feel like I quit. Oh, you'd be so and, pissed. Oh, I'd be so mad. <laughs> you'd be sick. You'd be wicked pissed. I'd be wicked pissed. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get wicked in so, there. I know. So, you know, it was, it was, um, it was nice to see that instead of the negative response, I can't believe you're so selfish and going. It was like, thank you for going and showing me that there's like, to, there's hope. There's a, there's a reason to keep training. There's a reason to keep doing this. And it wasn't just like training and swim related. It was like all sorts of people from, all walks of life sending me emails and messages, which was unexpected, but also very cool. That's amazing. So we talked about uh, your first open water swim. And as we wrap this up, uh, I asked you what you learned about yourself or you what you learned from that first open water swim. What did you learn from the last one from the English Channel? What did it teach you about yourself? <sighs> it's, um, uh, I, I think it's that you're take risks like really like don't be don't be afraid of failure don't be afraid of things you can't control like focus on what you can control and and do everything you can to i guess not avoid failure but do everything you can in your power because failure is not bad quitting is bad so for me it was just learning how tough i could be and i guess how and i don't mean tough in a physical sense this was far more of a mental journey than anything else i think it for me it was more Trust, you know, trusting your gut and not, not being afraid to, to, to do what you feel is right. And no matter how many people that you piss off in the process, if you do it in a respectful way and you're not hurting anyone in the process, you know, that's for me, it was like, okay, you're a strong person because not because you did the swim, but because you went through every single obstacle that could get thrown at you between injury and COVID and not having a pool. And I mean, swimming in 40 degree water to get a swim in because there were no pools. I think for me, that's what I learned is like how, once you have a goal, how committed one, you know, once you have a goal and you're committed to it, what you, what lengths you'll go to you know, personally, what lengths will I go to to get it done if it's a real goal for me? And I think that's ultimately what I learned about myself is that if I'm committed to a goal, I will find a way to get it done as long as I can control those aspects. Cause there's certain things if the government shut down, this would never have happened. Like if I couldn't fly in and that's something you have to be okay with too, like be okay with the things that you can't control and focus on the things you can control. Awesome. That's amazing. How do people follow you or reach out for assistance or advice? So my website's liquidtry.com. Because we do swimming for triathlon, so liquid. You've got some TRI. awesome articles up there and blog posts, so people yep. need to check that out for sure. Yep. And then the Instagram is uh, at endurance swim or at the salty swimmer. Awesome. So those are those are all the ways. Yeah, that's so New England, salt of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, Craig. Yeah. This has been an amazing conversation. Yeah, thank I you so much. Really appreciate yeah. your time, and more so than anything, I I get so much joy in my heart when um, when I hear. Uh, people like you, you know, just the caliber of coach you are and human being, most importantly, and what you're bringing to endurance sports. So thank you for all that you do. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I loved it. 